Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Wow, thank you students for your great testimonies. I got to tell you, church, I'm so proud of not only our students for the enthusiasm and the great spirit that they had at camp last week, but I'm so thankful uh, for you, uh, for so many of you that gave gifts that send our kids to camp uh, last week. A lot of families that weren't able to do it because of all this COVID stuff. Uh, and you made it possible for our students to come to, uh, to go to camp last week. We want to thank you for that. And I want to say a little thing about our youth pastor, Pastor Johnny, who ran that camp, did a great, great job. I'm so proud of him. He's going to be speaking uh, for us on a Sunday in the next few weeks. But uh, next time you see Johnny, give him a little bit of an attaboy and tell him how much you appreciate the great work he's doing uh, with our students. So we're in this series called Sacred. And I'm going to talk to you about something today. I'm going to totally throw you a curveball but I think you're going to understand what I'm talking about when I get into it. And I'm going to read for you a passage out of Ephesians chapter 5 and talk about this next. And I want you to guess when I read this passage of Scripture what it is that I believe that, we're going to, that, that I know is sacred to God, but that we're going to talk about today that is sacred to God. So I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 5. I had somebody ask me, Pastor, what version do you read from when you read in church on Sundays? I'm reading today from the New International Version. Sometimes I read uh, from the New Living Translation, uh, New American Standard, but we try to mark that on our things. But today I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading for you verses 25 through verse number 32. So here's what the Bible says. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing, um, her, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, nobody hates their own body, but they feed it and care for the body, just as Jesus did the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. On May 18, 1985, I had the privilege of marrying my wife, Kim. Her name was Vogel at the time. And it was kind of a funny thing. So you guys hear me talk about my wife all the time. I love my wife very much. I'm a very, very blessed man. Uh, this year we've been married for 35 years. But I remember that day like yesterday for a couple reasons. Uh, number one, that was the first wedding I had ever attended. So my expectations on what that day was going to look like was a lot different than her expectations. Everything had to be right. Flowers, this, 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 this. I just wanted to get married. And I remember when she told me, this is what you're going to wear. So I went to the tuck store and picked up what I wanted to wear. And church, I'm very proud to tell you, and maybe you'll see a picture someday if you haven't seen it already, that I wore a white tux with tails and white shoes on my wedding and a mullet. So it was totally an 80s wedding, okay? So I just, I remember putting this suit on and thinking how ridiculous I looked and... Uh, 
all the weird pictures that they, weird poses with pictures they wanted us to do at rings and stuff like that with my groomsmen before the wedding. And I'm thinking, this is the stupidest thing I've ever been a part of in my life. What are we doing? What are we doing? I get up on the stage and I'm like wearing these really uncomfortable shoes and all this stuff is super weird to me. And then the music starts, everybody stands up. Kim walked in the back of the room and then it all made sense to me. And it all made sense to me. And when you read this passage of scripture, a lot of us will go back to the day that you got married or, and it's a great passage of scripture that has to do with marriage itself. But you know what? If you get into what the core of this is really teaching us about, it's teaching us about Christ's love for the church. And I want to talk to you today about how the church is sacred to God and how much Jesus loves his church because there's many times in the New Testament where the Bible talks about how Jesus is the bridegroom and we, the church, are his bride. And the, and, and, and the Bible's very specific about that, specific enough about that to look at this passage of Scripture here, giving instructions to the Christian household, how a husband's supposed to treat his wife, how a wife's supposed to love and treat her husband, and, and husband loves his wife just as well. But if you read that, the comparisons that are made in this passage are not that Jesus is like husbands and wives. It's the opposite. It's how husbands and wives are supposed to be like Jesus in his love for what we call the church. And the church is a very important thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We read about it. When you, when you think about Ephesians chapter 5, we think about husbands, submit. people love that word submission, and we're not even going to go there today. And, and I love this part, how the husband's supposed to lay his life down for his wife, and the wife's supposed to love her husband in, in this way too. But I want to read for you specifically out of this passage the statements that are made about Jesus and his caring for, and specifically his love for, the church. How much does Jesus love his church? He loved the church. He gave himself for the church. He made his church holy. He presented him, just like a marriage, right? He presented himself to the church. He makes the church clean and radiant. He made the church holy and blameless. He cares for, and he meets the needs for the church, the Bible says he laid his life down for what? The church. That's how much Jesus loved the church. His whole reason, the Bible says, for coming to this earth in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He gathered, he came here to gather people so that they would come to know him as personal Savior and become part of his body called the church, his bride, the church. He loves the whole church. It's interesting when people talk about the church, there's two kinds of churches implied or discussed or even taught about, excuse me, in the New Testament. There's the worldwide church. You've heard it said of the universal church. I know some people don't like to use that term, but there's this whole worldwide church or what I like to call the body of Christ, right? The bride of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, the worldwide church. It's everybody that's ever been saved from the time Jesus rose from the grave until the time that he comes back again, we're all part of the church. But in Acts, there are many, 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 and a high, higher percentage of times where the word church is talking about a specific called out assembly or ecclesia, a group of people in Ephesus, in Colossae, in Philippi, in Rome, in Jerusalem, in Antioch, all these different churches that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, 
John, all these guys were pastors of, and all these guys were church planners of, all these local churches in the book of Acts. This, this transitional book from the gospel in, into the grace time, to the local church time, right? Jesus Christ loves the whole church. He loves everybody that's ever been saved and knows him as his personal savior. He loves every local assembly. He loves Warehouse Church. If you're watching today and you're part of another local church body, he loves your church. And, and when churches are going through times of trials and when churches are going through times uh, uh, when, when, when there's uh, an abundance of, of, of things, that doesn't mean he loves one church more than another church. We can't believe that that's true because there are some of the fastest growing churches in the world are churches in persecution in China and in different parts of the world where the church isn't even a legal thing in, 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 those, in those countries. But Jesus loves the church and he proves it over and over and over again in his word. He loves the church. The church is important to Jesus. He gave his whole life for that. He gave, uh, he left heaven's glory for what? So that he could have something to bring to himself, his bride, the church. And if we understand that the church is something that's very, very sacred to God, right? So we're studying what is sacred to God, and those things that are sacred to God ought to be things that are sacred to us. Now, when we talk about the church being sacred to us, it doesn't necessarily mean that the stuff of the church, right? The chairs, the carpet, the nice bathrooms, the kids' area, right? We, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we didn't make our auditorium so that when people came in here, they would just have this somber, like, religious experience. We want people to have a relationship experience with Jesus Christ when they come to this church. Because you know what our church chairs are? They're chairs. You could take these chairs and you could put them in your living room. You could take these chairs and put them in office somewhere. They're just chairs. The carpet is just carpet. And all of this stuff is going to deteriorate, burn, or wither away someday. This isn't the church. This is, a this is a tool. It's a building that we use to assemble. But we don't need a building to have a church because the church is not a building. The church is you and I. What makes up the church? You do. You do. We were talking about it in our staff meeting earlier on this week. How can we better minister to our church, strategically better minister to our church during this quarantine time. We're trying to very, very hard by having an online worship experience, by reaching out, making phone calls, and making visits, and taking people out. And we have a lot of people doing a lot of stuff this week, making people feel connected to the body. And listen, just because you don't come here on a Sunday morning doesn't mean that you're not connected to the body. But we're trying to think of ways so you don't feel disconnected. Because sometimes when you're not with the church body, you have a little bit of that out of sight, out of mind, haven't done it in a while, it's not that big of a deal. So I know, even though it might be more convenient to be part of our online experience on Sunday, it takes just as much work to feel connected to the church online as it would be if you were attending live and in person. But I want to read this passage to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and to help us understand that he loves what makes up the church. I don't think Jesus has any kind of love or care for our building. I know he blessed us with it, and I know we're very thankful for it, but I don't think he loves us any more or less because of the size of our building, because of how we decorate it, because of the color schemes that we use, or anything like that. Let, let, let's talk about what makes up the church and how much he loves us 
individually. So I'm going to read for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. And this is going to talk about what makes up the church and give us an understanding on how important you are to the church from the perspective of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 12, God says this, Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, I am not a hand, and I, don't, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if a, an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not be for that reason it would stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I want you to tell somebody you're sitting next to or somebody that's in your room or even typing online this morning, you are indispensable. That's too long to spell. Say, you're important. Say that to them. You are important. Tell somebody they're important this morning. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. God has put this body together, church, giving greater honor, honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You ready for this? Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You're the body of Christ. Tell somebody that this morning. Girls, tell them. You're the body of Christ. Whoever's sitting with you watching this this morning, say, you are the body of Christ. I want you to understand the significance of this passage of Scripture. Jesus is speaking to the secure and to the insecure. Jesus is speaking to the nursery worker, the person that's out in the parking lot, to the person that's standing here, maybe even doing worship this morning. Every part is significant and important. You may think that you're not important. Oh, you know, if I leave, it's not that big a deal. I can just go to be another part of another church, right? My contribution isn't that big of a deal. I can't give as much money as this other family does. Or I can't do kids. Or I only say hi to people on Sunday morning. You know what Jesus said here? It's those parts that are not as known that are indispensable. They're very significant to this church. When you hear me or my, or, or my wife or Pastor Johnny say we miss you, listen, it's not Guilt Fest 2020. We understand, we know, we're here, we love you, we respect whatever decision you want to make as a family. But I want you to know something. When you're not here, we miss you. And your brothers and sisters miss you. And you take all the time that you need to, to, to figure out your family's safety. Nothing but respect for that. But please know, we, it's kind of a conundrum for us. 
Do we tell people we miss them so that they feel bad? Or do we not tell them we miss them so that they think that we're forgotten? Listen, we love you, we miss you, we can't wait to see you. But understand this, your part to this church is indispensable. You are needed. You're very important. I was watching people do greeting last Sunday after church, and they were saying hi, and we had about half of our folks that were wearing masks and half weren't wearing masks, and that's totally fine. That's all good. We're, we're totally fine with that. And I was watching how this group of people were watching these kids, you know. We weren't even related to this, this group of adults were watching these kids. And the joy that it brought some of these folks that were watching these kids just goof around in our hallway. You know what? Those kids are indispensable to this church. They brought joy to some people's lives this week. You might not think that your contribution is a big deal. It is. Do you know by you saying hi to somebody that maybe a greeter missed or maybe I missed or one of our other staff people missed, and you being an encouragement to somebody that's in our church service this morning, that could make the difference in their life for all of eternity? Well, the most important part is the guy that's speaking or the person that's leading this. Or the per- Listen, the leadership parts weren't described here as indispensable. I'm thankful for what I get to do every week, but I know that there are a lot of people that do a lot better job than I do. But I know that you can't ever think that you're not important to this body for two reasons. We love you, we need you, we believe that you're indispensable. Here's the other thing. You are indispensable to each other. I like watching some of the watch parties that people have online and some of the comments that they're making to each other. Encouraging one another. Man, we need encouragement today. There's so much yucky stuff on TV and on social media asking us to choose sides with politics. Asking, and listen, people want you to choose sides. They can tell you how much they are against the side that you're on. Whether you're for this or whether you're for that, just they can stir up an argument and prove their point to you. Listen, that's not what this, that's not what Christianity is about. It's about the body functioning as a whole. Because here's the thing, and I love how it talks about this. When one of the lesser parts of the body, one of the perceived lesser parts of the body is not working properly, the whole body doesn't function properly. And I could give you a great example of that. A couple years ago, I had a terrible, terrible, terrible toothache, and I found out that I needed to have root canal work done. And man, I'm gonna tell you something, that was one of the worst, I think root canal is more painful than having a baby. Now my wife tells me I'm wrong, and I'm still sticking to my story, okay? So I had this root canal work done, and I'm gonna tell you something. That tiny little, maybe one inch square spot threw my whole body off for a week. I was walking slow, it affected the way that I ate, it affected the way that I talked, it affected the way that I slept, it affected my mood in front of my kids. It was all encompassing 24 hours a day until I got that thing shot up, dug out, fixed, planted, healed, and then I was all better. My wife was like, where was this guy the past two weeks? I said, oh, my tooth hurts so bad. And isn't it funny how that little tiny member can cause so much pain and disruption to your body? It's same about a church. One member that hurts, that could disrupt the whole body. One member that's angry or upset or 
or, or going through some stuff or even gossiping or has sin in their life, that can affect the whole body. Why does the Bible say that? It's not saying that to say that, that you're wrong is going to, it's not the point about you're wrong in your life, it's going to mess the whole church up. The point is, is that you are significant to the church. You are. You're significant. So why do we even assemble as a church? My wife said to me a couple weeks ago, wouldn't it be great if online church was just the way that it was forever? And I said, you know what? I just, I like being around people so much. I love that we have these online experiences. Kim and I really enjoy our Wednesday nights and I hope that you'll join us this Wednesday night as we do our verse of the week and just talk about some things about our church and, and things like that. But you know, we assemble as a church for some very important reasons as described here, not only in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but even in that marriage passage in Ephesians chapter five. We assemble as a church to learn to love God and, and, and others. It's not natural. Sometimes it's not natural. Now, we all, we all kind of have an understanding. Most people have an understanding there's a higher power. We search for significance. We search for our creator. God reveals himself to us through natural and supernatural um, uh, creation. Um, we understand that, okay? We understand that God's gonna reveal himself to us through natural and supernatural revelation. But we have this innate desire inside of us for community or for fellowship, and what the church teaches us, and we learn through the teaching of the word of God and the assembling of ourselves together, is we learn how to love God corporately, and we learn how to love others. You know how we love others? 30-some people gave money to help send our teenagers to camp last week. That's how we love others. You know how we love others? By teaching a kid's class, by doing the nursery, by coming here on a Saturday with your one-year-old daughter to clean the building. We have a, uh, my, my friend Chris has been doing that uh, and bringing his boys, by the way, to clean the church building on Saturdays for us, uh, to make visits, to make phone calls. We have folks that are in quarantine that ask me every single week, give me some phone numbers of people in our church that we could call so they could feel loved and feel connected. We could see if they need anything, right? We learn how to love one another because sometimes loving one another isn't natural because we notice our differences. But what unifies us is Jesus Christ. And in the local church, we learn how to love God and to love one another, just as Jesus commanded us in the Gospels. We learn to be strengthened and transformed by the unchanging Word of God. We need the Word of God in our lives. But listen, church, we not only need that on Sundays at 10 o'clock or whatever time on Sunday you're going to watch this service. You need this on Monday. You need it on Tuesday. You need it on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I want to promise you something. This body is not just going to consume food one day a week. Matter of fact, I need to eat more than one time during the day, every day of the week, just like you do. And there's times when I fast, and those are healthy things to do as well. But we need fuel for our body. You need spiritual fuel for your body. Watching church for 30 minutes on Sunday is not enough spiritual food to get you through the crazy lives that we all have right now. You personally need to be in the Word of God. I think it's interesting. I've heard other people say it. I've had people say it to me before too. Well, I don't know if I want to be part of this church. I'm not getting fed enough. Listen, if you're looking for a church that's going to feed you as much as you need to be fed, we're not that church. Because you need to eat more than one or two days a week. You need to eat every day of the week. You've got to be in your word every single day. Not because I'm saying it to you. Not because I want you to feel bad about it. I want you to see the need that you have for the word of God. 
We can be strengthened and transformed by the word of God if it's a daily part of our life. The local church teaches us to pray and to worship corporately, listen, and to serve God while we're serving one another. The local church teaches us to invest our time, our talents, and our treasures into eternity, things that matter forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why we assemble as a church. So because the church is sacred to God, let's you and I learn how to cultivate a deeper love for his church. How can we love one another better than we're loving one another right now? How can I exhibit a stronger commitment to the outreach of this church in this community and all over the world? How can I love this place better? It's interesting when you talk about the bride and the bridegroom, the bride being the church and Jesus being the bridegroom. Ephesians chapter five talked about the relationship of the husband and a wife. And it's funny, I'll use that same passage of scripture in premarital counseling, you ready? And I'll also use that same passage of scripture with a couple that I'm counseling that's been married for 25 years. You see, just because you're part of the body of Christ doesn't mean that you don't need to continue to learn how to be a good bride. I'm talking about the church now. I'm not talking about the wives that are watching this morning, okay? But we need to continue to learn how to do better, to be more effective, to give more, to share more, to serve more, to keep the fire lit inside of our hearts for the local New Testament church. Because the church is sacred to God. It's important to him. It ought to be important to us too. So let's ask God to help us cultivate a deeper love for the church. Let's ask God, because the church is sacred to God, let's all acknowledge that the church is essential. It's, listen, again, we're gonna continue our online ministry. And we hope that you're connected and encouraged and feeling part of this community. And I'm not saying this to dog what we're trying to do online at all because it's very, very important right now. But please understand that the church itself is essential to each other, to your own families. I'm gonna tell you something, mom and dad. Simply put, if you want church to be important and valuable to your kids, it needs to be important and valuable to you right now. Husbands and wives, raising your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's not just the wife's responsibility to get the kids to church. Moms and dads, listen, your kids see God through, through the fathers. And there's so much we could talk about with that this morning. But if the church is not important to you because of work or to fun or other things that you do on Sunday, it's not going to be important to your kids. It needs to be essential in your home. Because the church is sacred to God, we need to prioritize the bride. You and I need to prioritize its significance in our service to Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus Christ's most prized possession. I have a little, little catechisms that I do with my grandkids because they're all different and unique and it's just so much fun. And Rosie, our youngest granddaughter, for just a little bit longer, we got two coming, one in August and one in October, our youngest granddaughter, I'm finding different things that, that we feel connected with. We got a little bird out back and I'll make a bird sound, caw 
And she'll, she'll make the sound, then she'll point to where the bird is. And that's, I'm, I'm starting to learn, we're learning how to communicate with one another. Tori, my grandson, our second youngest grandson too, there's some things that I'm saying to him about motorcycles and about, about his toys, and about his little toy cars and toy trucks and even swimming. We have a little routine that we do when we're swimming that's, that's unique for him and I as I'm communicating to him. And Logan's the oldest, so she's the best talker and she's a conversationalist and boy, she just, she's a girl too, so she's, she talks 24 miles, uh, 24 hours a day, 100 miles an hour. And one of the things that I tell Logan, I, I, we'll, we'll sing these little songs, do you love Logan? I'll say, yes, I do, yes, I do. And I'll tell Logan all the time, who, Logan, do you know that Pop thinks you're beautiful? She says, I know you think I'm beautiful. And I'll say, you know I think Rosie's beautiful because I wanted to love her cousin. Yes, Pop, I know Rosie. But who does Pop think is the most beautiful in the whole world? Pop thinks Kiki's the most beautiful in the whole world. And I want Logan to know that because I want Logan to know how much I love her grandmother. Because the most prized relationship that I have, I love our church, I love all of you this morning, I thank you for watching. I love my kids, I do, I love my kids very, very much. All four of my girls are, have just brought so much amazing value and life into our home and it continues and we're very, very thankful and blessed for that. I even love my son-in-laws. But I don't need to tell them that. They already know. It's, it's a guy talk. We just kind of grunt at each other and everything's okay. But I want you to make no mistake about it. The most precious relationship on this earth that I have without exception is the relationship that I have with my bride, with my wife, Kim. And I love that Ephesians talks about the way that I'm supposed to love her is the way that Jesus already loves the church. And that's what he wants for you. He loves you. As much as a dopey looking groom like myself could look at his bride coming up the middle aisle with goo-goo eyes and see her and his world would stop thinking, how can this girl marry a guy like me? That's how much Jesus loves you and that much even more because he not only gave himself for you, he laid down his life for you. That's how much he loves the church. And if you know him as Savior, you are the church. If you don't know him as Savior, you can invite him to be part of, to, to be your life, and to, to come into your life and save you. Just like over 30 students did at our camp last week, and five or six kids from our church made a profession of faith last week, giving their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. You can do that with us in this auditorium or online this morning with us, you can pray and invite Jesus Christ into your heart. If you want to do that this morning and make him the Lord and the Savior of your life, I'm going to invite to do that with you in just a moment and show you how to pray that prayer. But if you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, you're part of his church. Be active in your church. Serve in your church. Be generous in your church. Make a difference in your community with your church. Tell your brothers and sisters in your church, we're family, we're family of God. Let's do something significant and get together for our bridegroom, our Lord Jesus, who gave his life for us. Can I invite you to pray with me this morning? Today, Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, I pray that you'll help us to understand today even more how much Jesus loved us and the significance 
of him giving himself for us to have forgiveness and a relationship with you. Dear friends, as we keep this attitude of prayer this morning with all heads bowed and eyes closed in the worship center this morning and online, just as an attitude of prayer, I'm gonna ask you two questions. I'm gonna pray over both of, of both of these questions that'll be answered by you. If you don't know Jesus as your savior, would you invite him to be your savior today? The Bible teaches us this, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. At Romans it says, if you, believe in your, if, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. He did all that for you to make you his bride. And if that's something you know you need to do in your life today, ask God to forgive you and invite Jesus to come into your heart. Would you just pray with me this morning? Just pray this prayer that I'm gonna pray with you and it goes like this. Just say this quietly right where you're sitting in your home or in the audience this morning. Just say, dear Father in heaven. Say that to him, dear Father in heaven. Please forgive me of all the sin that's in my life. I can't even remember all of it. I'm humbled that you would allow me to do this. But Father, please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died so that I could ask for forgiveness. And I believe he's alive today and I'm gonna be alive forever with you. Would you come into my life and save me and help me to live for you? And then thank him. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. I pray this in your name. And just keep yourselves in an attitude of prayer for just a moment and say amen. If you've accepted Christ as your savior this morning, you could throw a thumbs up on the screen. You could lift your hand up in the auditorium this morning real quick. Or if you just want to reply to me personally online at, to my email, pastor at warehousechurch.com, I'll, re, I'll answer your email today and share some thoughts with you and some encouragement with you. But we rejoice with you. And this is not the end. This isn't the, the solver where everything works out okay now. This is the beginning of a forever relationship with Jesus Christ. And as his bride... We need to love our bridegroom better and better every single day. And I pray that you'll learn how to do that. And I pray for you this morning, all over this room and all over um, the internet this morning that, that could be watching us today and throughout the week. Be a better bride for your bridegroom. Love your church. Know that your contribution physically, spiritually, and financially makes a difference. And if you need to be encouraged this morning, I'd like to pray over you as well. Father, encourage every member of this local body and every member of your family, the family of God, your churches, Lord, all over the world. Know how much you love them. Know how much you gave for them. And know what a privilege it is for all of us to be part of your family. Help us to give like there's no tomorrow. Help us to serve like eternity's at stake. And help us to be mindful of those around us that need to know you as Savior. We love you and thank you for letting us be part of your family today. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say it with me. Amen. Say that with us online. Type that in there. Amen. Thumbs up. Whatever you want to put in there. Put a cool, cool picture in there this morning. Let us know that you're with us today. Church, let me say a couple things to you in closing. Thank you so much for your response last week. We prayed for two very specific things. 
We needed to infuse our cash flow last week and make the church aware of our weekly budget need. And we had a cash flow prayer that God would bless our church through you and me with $25,000, and that was met last week, and we praise God for that. And we're able to report about that on Wednesday night. But we also want to make you aware and continue to pray for our weekly budgetary need for our church is $9,000 a week. You say, Pastor, why are you sharing that? So you can pray. If you're not giving currently, that God would speak to your heart about giving, and you would do your part to take care of this local body and the ministry that God's called us to do in Plano, Texas, with missionaries all over the world and for people that are watching all over the world too. And if you know what, if you're not part of our church and you don't live in Plano, Texas, but you'd like to be a part of this ministry by donating uh, to what the Lord's doing through here, we would welcome you to do that at www.warehousechurch.com slash give. But listen, as much as we would appreciate your generosity towards this ministry, it's very important for you to be connected to a local body. And if you're not connected to a local body somewhere, wherever you live in the world today, email me today and we will help you find a great church in your area where you can get plugged in to serve, to love, and to give to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. You can email me to pastor at warehousechurch.com and I would love to help you find a great church in your community. We want to thank you for watching. Thank you for all your help with our kids at camp and let's stay connected online. Kim and I look forward to talking to you this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Have a great week, Warehouse Church. We love you. Thanks for watching today.